You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. Welcome to the Fearless Business Podcast, sharing with you the business behind running a business. We're your hosts, Jamie Lieberman and Mary Clavier. Each week, we'll be bringing you great guests, insights from our experiences, and a behind-the-scenes look at all the topics you may be afraid to tackle in your business, but shouldn't be. So sit back, get comfy, and let's get started. Welcome to episode 138 of the Fearless Business Podcast. This is Jamie, and I'm here with my co-host, Mary, and today we're talking about hiring. That's a fun topic. Is it? Not for our producer. No, not for our producer. He does not like hiring. I like to hire. It's a lot of extra work. That's interesting. In last week's episode with Bree, she talked about how we posted for a copywriter and we got 435 applications. She knew the exact number, which was why Brie is an operations director. <laughs> she literally said 435. And that number stuck in my head because I'm like, how on earth did she remember that? But it's because that's what she does. It's a it, lot is, of work. it is a lot of work. But the so the process of hiring is not awesome. But when you find the right person, it's magical. Yes. Yes. It's life changing. You just hired. I just I did just hire operations, actually. Same. And it's magical. Is it? I have to say, yeah, it's I like even just in whatever it's been like a few weeks or a month or so, I can't even remember how I used to do all the things I did. I ha- I have I have no idea. You have amnesia. <laughs> that's yeah. Workload amnesia is real. Yeah, that's what I asked myself. I'm like, how was I doing this before? Well, I wasn't. I wasn't getting some of the stuff done, but still, like, yeah. Mm-hmm. I have it, wondered it how magical. you juggle all the things that you do. I won't lie. Yeah, it's, it's nonsense is what it is. <laughs> that's the best way to put it. No, I but agree. it's, it's, so that's the thing. I think between realizing and like committing to actually hiring, like that all seems very painful. Yeah. But then actually having people to help you on your team is incredibly magical. How terrifying is the financial obligation of hiring? Yes. That's extremely terrifying. Terrifying. Because suddenly you're like, okay, it's not just about me. Right. Like I got to pay them no matter what. Right. And I, I think that's why a lot of people take so long to hire. I mean, that's one of, I'm sure, the big reasons why they take a long time to hire. Because, you know, the numbers have to at least be somewhat in your favor to be able to do that. and it can take a while to get there, but, but it, it's a, what's the description? I'm like, like a double edged, what is that? Double edged sword? I don't yeah. know. <laughs> because, 
Monday. We're recording on a Monday, everyone. Not a good idea. Not not a good idea. Record on a Monday. Um, Double-edged sword because you want to hire so that you can grow and like have the capacity to do the things that you should be doing as the business owner. But then you also need to grow to a certain point to have the financial funds to be able to do that. And when you do that, you may feel like you're taking some steps backwards because you have another big payment, but it's still magical. And I often find that if you've gotten to the point where you think you need to hire, it's too late. Yes. <laughs> you've waited too long. Yes. Um, and if you are stretched that thin, the money is usually there. And like you said, it often follows, but yeah, yeah it's, that's hard. Um, I remember it's hard to you figure said that. that. Yeah, it's it really I was six to months to a year too late with my first hire. And it does get easier after you sort of like tear off the bandaid and you do yeah. the first hire, it gets easier each subsequent hire. But then you really have to watch your payroll costs because Right. Uh, so after <laughs> So you're totally right because after I hired for operations like a week later, I was like, oh, I want to hire for this and I want to hire for this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, you're just like, I'm going to hire everybody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm the same. Yeah. Somebody was like, Are you, do you have this person on your on your team? And I was like, no, but I should. And then I was like, stop it. Stop it. No more. Not allowed to hire. Bree's head will explode. No <laughs> Let her get more. through those 435 applications. Oh, my God. Her. If you are looking for a job right now, like just keep at it. Don't, and we talked about this last week and our guest this week, who is Natalie Gingrich of the Ops Authority, who is literally the Ops Authority. She's awesome. And she does a lot of like helping companies place operations professionals and op- training of operations professionals. And I'll get more into her background in a little bit. But we, they were both, both Bree and Natalie um, were saying like your network is key. Like yeah. you, it's, you have to tap your network if you're looking for a job because I'm sure of the 435 people that applied for our copywriter job, at least 15 of them were qualified, yeah. if not more. And I mean, I just finding those people is so difficult. But, you know, if you know somebody or you can have somebody introduce, I mean, that's how I found Brie. We talked about that story. And that's how you found your ops person. Yeah, that's what I was, was just going to say. Yeah, referral. Mm-hmm. And, and I saw how much it helped my friend's business. So like... And the impact it had for her. So it was even easier for me to say, okay, this is the, this is the way to go. Yeah, exactly. So what's she doing for you? What's she doing in your business? I think a lot of people want to know, like, what isn't, I mean, Natalie's going to talk. I love what she talks about, but she's going to talk about what an operations person is and the various levels of operations um, that you can hire. But I'd love to hear what your ops person is doing. All the things. (laughs) That sounds about right for ops. (laughs) Yeah, no, she's, they're doing, so there's a team actually behind her. So I have operations director and then also online business manager support too from the team. So they're doing like for launches, um, when I launch for the community, they'll do setting everything up ahead of time, the emails and whatever we decide who's going to take what, but emails or social, any of the pre-launch activities, um, any support during and then to debrief after looking at all the data and metrics in terms of regular operations in the community. So setting up the calls and having um, reaching out to people that I want to either have come in to speak to the group, things like that. 
Um, yeah, all kinds. And then of course I have for brief transitions too. So they're helping me with some inventory things that I wanted to have set up for tracking and ordering and making sure that I have inventory in certain places. So all kind. the fact that product and service, and they're actually doing a bit of both for me, which is fantastic. That is fantastic. You don't always find someone who can do that. Right. That sounds like gold. No one is, is allowed to know who they are. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> no, I feel like I should say because I want to yeah. like be like promoting her too because her business is so good. So it's Amy Edge. I think it's Amy Edge and Co. is her website. I'll awesome. drop it in the show notes. I'll drop a link. But yeah, she's she's wonderful. And her awesome. whole team is amazing. Oh, that makes me happy. Yeah. Well, let's talk about our guest. Natalie Gingrich is the founder and host of the Ops Authority. She has been in operations for two decades, either in healthcare, corporate America, or as an entrepreneur. Her goal is to bridge the gap and overwhelm when it comes to processes and systems, growing a team, and setting up solid business foundations. She spent 15 years in corporate operations and leadership at a Fortune 150 company. When given the opportunity to leave, she put the knowledge, certifications, and experience to work by creating her own consulting firm as well as a certification. She developed the Director of Operations Certification to equip existing ops experts, a flexible profession, outside of corporate, but still playing a huge role in small businesses globally. And now on to the interview. I am very excited to be joined by my very good friend, Natalie Gingrich of the Ops Authority today. When I knew that we were going to do a month about operations, Natalie was honestly the number one person that I knew I wanted to ask to be on the podcast. She graciously said yes. So thank you, Natalie, for joining us and welcome to the show. I am so excited to be here. And of course, this is like, this is the place to be. I feel like you are my secret weapon. So to be able to come here and to return the favor and to have a good combo with your audience is awesome. Oh my gosh, you're the best. This is going to be one big love fest. I just, I know <laughs> yes. I can feel it already. Natalie and I go way back. We've known each other for a very long time. And I have been so, it has been so awesome to watch you build the Ops Authority. Like, I, 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 every time I see it, it's like bigger and better and doing new things and you just, you kill it. So I'm going to give a little bit of like business owner crush to you because I, I love watching, um, all the amazing stuff that you're doing. Oh, Jamie, thank you so much. It's, it's, it's been, it's been such an adventure and sometimes it's been a venture and sometimes it's been an adventure. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. That is perfect. So start by telling everyone, I mean, I've just gushed about you, of course, but why don't you start by telling everybody who you are and what your company does? So I am your total ops authority. And, um, I took me a long time to kind of grow into that and to see myself as that, but, I spent 15 years in the corporate sector, actually in healthcare and um, and traditional corporate, before making my way into my own business. I would call myself an accidental entrepreneur, and um, never really expected to be here, but so grateful for the gift of being able to do this. I came to this um, using all of the same skills that I possessed 
my entire life and have really been refining over the different opportunities that I've had in those 15 years prior to owning my own business. I just celebrated five full years of owning this business um, just this last week, which thank you, LinkedIn, for reminding me of that. <laughs> Sometimes it feels, I'm sure you guys can can understand this. Sometimes it feels like it's been two days and some days it feels like it's been 20 years, but (laughs) such as anything you work really hard for, whether that's your family or your beliefs or anything. But um, so I spent 15 years in corporate, both in the human resources and project management sectors and have pull when I had the opportunity to step out. And that was not an easy opportunity, by the way, but I had just one of those kind of crushing moments where it was like, what am I doing? I've got these two kids that at the time were nine and six, and I was spending lots of money and having someone take care of them after school. And my mother had to do that for us when we were children because she was a single parent. And I did not have, I didn't have to do it in that exact way. Plus we were just at a different time where I could do something on my own from my home and still really pour into the legacy, the legacy that I wanted. So that's exactly what we did. It was a it was a big big shift for our family to move away from an executive position in a Fortune 150 company, but it has led me here and as I started dabbling in how I was going to continue to be career driven but in a different completely different way, I wanted to I ended up coming back to something that was so natural to me. I that's not where I started. I first started doing, you know, building more of a blog type of business and I loved it. It was very incredibly, it was incredibly difficult for me to monetize that, but it led me to this, which is exactly what I'm supposed to be doing and have leveraged forever. So we started the Ops Authority five years ago. It's gone through many pivots as small businesses will do. People always feel really bad about pivoting. And I'm like, that's how we finally dive into, to really, you know, emerging and peeling back the, the layers. And so that's the been no different in my own business. And I started out serving clients in a one-to-one capacity, moved into a group and a high level type of um, offering. And um, once I really could not duplicate myself or extend myself in a way that felt good to me, I had a stroke of genius, which Jamie has been along for the ride. And instead of trying to build an agency, I went, which is how lots of service providers will try to scale their businesses and can be a great option for some people. It was a terrible option for me because it really took away the balance that I was craving and that I had left corporate for and um, started a certification program. So now I teach women how to do exactly um, how to be operations experts in the with the growing demand of the digital marketing space, as well as online and small business. So that brings us to today. It's so been so cool to be a part of and to watch because I agree with you about the pivot and the change and you just followed what felt right. Um, And I loved watching that process with you because you didn't shy away from it. When something didn't feel right or didn't work, you're like, nope, not going to do that. We're going to do something else. And it's been so successful for you. Yeah. I think that, Part of my biggest work in life, whether that's business or personal, is really being very clear on what my values were. And it was the values conversation that had me leave corporate. And it's also the same thing that makes me hold true to what's super important to me today. So um, you're right. I have. I've really it's it's been intentional to block out things that would deter me from living in the, you know, the highest and best self that that I have. 
I love it. That's very aspirational. I think a lot of people want that. So I'm glad you're able to sort of share some of that journey. I think, I mean, you know ops better than pretty much anybody, (laughs) Um, but I think a lot of entrepreneurs really struggle with operations. I know I do. It's not my zone of genius by any stretch. Um, And frankly, I didn't even know where to begin. So when an individual is starting or building a business, I'd love for you to sort of lay the foundation about why an organization needs operations and why a founder, even from day one, should be thinking about it. Jamie, that's a great question. And I come in to to solve that and to explain this for so many people. But operations, let me just kind of talk about the structure of business. And this may help you in understanding when you need it, who you need, and all those great questions that tend to come up. But when we look at business entities, there is what I call the front side of business and the back side of business. And your front side is your marketing. And so this is how you attract people to you, um, which obviously leads to the sell, which would be right at the middle part. And then how you fulfill fill and how you sustain business is that backside. And that is what operations is. And so operations is um, when we think about it in a, from your perspective as the business owner, it's looking at your finances, it's managing your projects, it's managing your people, it's your legal. This is where you and I, both of our life's work really comes into and that's sustaining and building a strong foundation. Lots of people will say, I, I want to get out. I want to remove myself from the day to day. There's a lot of administration that happens after the sale. So this is this is operations. And how do you know you're ready for this? It's it's when you need to optimize what the backside of your business is doing so that you can then move into your zone. And at the beginning of business, we're managing the front side, the middle side, the back side, the, da- the dark side. <laughs> yes. We're managing all of those things. So when you get to the point of your business where you are really stretched way too thin, I help leaders to understand what their zones are, where they should be, because where you built your business, the place that you come from when you're building your business, you've got all irons in the fire, as they say, and you're covering front side, middle side, back side, dark side, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Those are the, the four sides of business that can really make us successful and get us to the revenue level that we need. And then all of a sudden there's this plateau and, or there's an, a massive increase and in acceleration of revenue coming in because things or your avatar or something starts working for you. And you've got to break that cycle. You've got to break the plateau or break the amount of time and energy that you're spending in the business so that you can fully serve in your highest way. So this is where operations tends to get a lot of attention. We don't start businesses thinking about operations. We grow. Once you get into a growth mode, you start to see that operations is a big gap in your business because you cannot continue to serve on the backside in the same ways that you have been and still continue to be the face of the brand, continue to coach your people, continue to, you know, be the center, you know, focus on PR and creating content. Those are typically the places where leaders need to be moving into and operations will take you out of that zone really, really quickly. That's so, it's so true. Operations was my first hire and it was probably one of the smartest things I did. And I, I've spoken to a number of business owners and just talking about hires. And a lot of them, their instinct is, well, I just need more bodies to do the work. And it's really hard, I think, to get a business owner into the mentality that 
you need an operations person before you need to hire another, in my case, it would have been another lawyer or another designer or whatever the case may be. How do you make the sort of case for it when you're going to coach, say, a business owner or work with a business owner, that it's better to hire an ops director or manager before you start hiring yet another sort of billing center. I think a lot of people look at that as overhead that doesn't make you money, which I disagree with, but (laughs) I think it's a common misperception. Yeah. I look at this. I have a certain framework inside of our own business that we talk about and it's the ties method. So this is the return on time, the return on investment, the return on effort and the return on stress. So time, investment, effort, and stress. We always talk about the return on an investment. So, okay, you want to, you know, you're going to go out there, you're going to hire a Facebook ads agency to help you to generate more leads so that you can then sell them, et cetera. Well, we can easily quantify if that, if that is a smart investment or not, because if you've spent a thousand dollars, if you make more than a thousand dollars, they've paid for themselves, quote unquote, that's the, that's the the traditional Mm -hmm. return on investment. You don't get that same type of quick return from a cost center or from an operator in a business. But what's really happening when someone's needing to bring this person in is think back to that, to the ties, right? They need time back in their business so that they can focus on the things that are revenue generating for them or the things that only they can do. Maybe they're completely drained. They're reaching burnout or they are in burnout And effort and energy are just absolutely zapped to the point where they're starting to think, you know what, I don't know if I can continue to do this or to work this many hours. And if I don't work this many hours, what's going to happen to my revenue? And then stress. I mean, we see this and we know that the suicide rates and not to bring this down to like absolutely negative zero at this point, but the the stress levels of entrepreneurs and which correlate highly to the suicide levels are just wild. And so it's important for me as an operator to help leaders, even if they're nowhere near that place, to be able to see that that the type of work stress that is induced by owning this business, by having this asset what an operator can do to offset that stress. And that's going to manifest in your physical and your mental, your spiritual, all, all dif- your financial stress. So really looking at how this operator pays for themselves through these four different channels is really, really important. And you don't get that necessarily from hiring somebody to just be the doer in a business. I think that's so true. And I think it's important to talk about that dark side that you mentioned, because it's so true. The the amount of burnout, the amount of depression, the amount of anxiety that business owners feel, particularly in 2020, mm-hmm. um, is very real and not talked about enough. And so I'm, I'm, I'm really glad that you brought that up because a lot of ways, you know, you can help alleviate that stress, which takes you down that road by making these really good hires. What are some of the sort of, because I did it too late. And I think I'd say if I had to guess the majority of business owners hired too late, what are some of those sort of initial kind of warning signs or initial things you might notice in your business where it's time for you to sit back and say, yeah, let me start the search now. Cause it can take a while. I mean, it took me six months to find the right fit. So, you know, it doesn't just happen overnight either. Right. And I never want you to hire from a desperate state. I find yes. that that is something that small business owners do classically do. And yeah. we do it. It's such a disservice to us when we do that. We don't, I always say de- desperate people hire desperate people. Yes. So, um, you know, hiring without any sort of method or any type of structure is really, really dangerous and li- tend to, 
it will almost always lead to higher turnover and yeah. poor expectations on both parties. So mm-hmm. um, that's another conversation for another time. Mm-hmm. But when you're looking to bring in, let me go over like the, the four different types of operators. When you're building this business and you're feeling like you need to bring somebody in, I look at an operations assistant and this is, I mean, these terminologies and this t- these titles really don't mean anything. Use the title that makes the most sense, but don't even start at the title. Start at what your needs are. An operations assistant is going to be more of that hands-on person that's a yes person. It's someone, I need this done. It's when you delegate, this is the person that's just yes, 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 right? And we need those in our business 100%. We need those people in our business. A lot of times these can be your executive assistants, your virtual assistants, These are people who help you keep the train on the track. Then we have your operations coordinators, which have a little bit more experience, a little bit more of, um, they're they're more resourceful. And we move into operations managers and then operations directors. Managers and directors are, are obviously going to be more, have more leadership and are going to be able to help you manage assets in your business. So whether that's a product line, whether that's fulfillment, but getting back to your question, Jamie, of when you know it's right to bring this person in, it's before your fulfillment, whatever you're selling, when you have problems fulfilling that and delivering on your promise, it's too late. Mm, And we we tend to wait until it's too late and we're up a creek without a paddle. And we're like, where where can I find somebody to come in here to help me do the administration, to help me take over, to help me communicate, to help me, you know, to follow me around and make sure that I deliver on what I said I was going to deliver. And that can come in any of those four different kind of layers that I just explained. But you, I mean, if you're being a good steward of your brand and of your business, you're going to want to do this way earlier than you think, way before it's a crisis. But Unfortunately, lots of us learn that by going through crisis and not delivering or having a bad, a bad experience with a client before we really think about how somebody can come in and be a, a benefit to you. Yeah, I was at my wit's end when I mm-hmm. hired. I mean, it was thankfully we I didn't have a bad client experience, but it was coming. It was honestly only a matter of time before. Um, something fell through the cracks or we missed a deadline. And in my business, in the legal business, missing deadlines is has implications that are far reaching. So um, I, I certainly waited too long. And as soon as she came on board and I breathed that giant sigh of relief, I was like, there it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so and it wasn't, well, it wasn't necessarily your customer or your client. It was you, right? It was that yes. burnout that we were just talking yes. about. It's when we feel the mental load of having to be the only person responsible for delivering on a high level, high dollar, high touch type of product or service, there's an incredible amount of stress and pressure on you as an asset. And this is just one small piece of our entire lives, right? Like we've still got kids and and spouses and homes and communities and all of those things to support that if we're overtaxing ourselves, this is where burnout starts. And, and it's so important to get ahead of it, but you know, we all do it um, at the time that that feels right to us, but it's usually a second too late. I totally agree. My, I, my moment was when I had signed a new client and I had to send them the engagement letter because that was something that I was doing. And I, I groaned at the thought of sending an engagement letter. Like I should have been celebrating at the thought of sending. And that's when I was like, well, maybe it's time for some help. 
Mm-hmm. I always tell people if you're scheduling emails so that they don't go out at one and two in the morning when you're actually writing them, it's too late. <laughs> you exactly need somebody right. to be on your side helping you to anticipate what is coming up. That is so accurate. <laughs> so now that I've decided I'm going to hire, right? Like I've, I've gotten to that place. I'm like, it is time. What do you think are some of the qualities to look for in a good operations professional? It's going to depend on the size of your team, the amount of uh, the, the different types of revenue that you're bringing into your business. And so what we're really looking at is the, the complexity of your business. So if you have a, a team established, what, you know, I want you to look and see where the gaps are. And then also look at the the team development, like who's there? Are they staying? Are, you know, do you expect them to stay for a long time? Is there any kind of ascension there? I want you to get really strategic about the current team before you bring somebody else in, whether that's, you know, someone who's going to come in more of a into a leadership role or someone who's going to be more at an entry level role. Regardless, you're going to want to see what you can, you know, where, where the gaps are. And at this point in your business, I hope that you're not really trying to quote unquote control the operations. I want you to bring in somebody who can do that for you. That typically looks like someone who is involved in your finances, who is helping you to make those good decisions and and being able to just read reports. You don't have to be an accountant to be an operator. You have to be able to, to look at financial reports and tell a story. What are we learning from the data points that we're getting? Because that will then indicate the type of the type of the the level of human resources that we need inside of the business. A lot of what leaders don't want to do is manage their team. They love having a team, but the actual performance management of a team is nothing that they signed up for. <laughs> I'm sorry, that is so true. <laughs> And then the project management. This is something that can be quite selfish, but so life-giving to an organization. The leader feels like they need a project manager to manage them. This is what always comes up. I get the the statement, I just need a boss. Like here you have this eight-figure business owner who's got all these bells and whistles and they're, they're famous in their industry and they're coming to me and they're just like, I just need a boss, Natalie. I just need someone to tell me what to do. That's why I say a pro- the project management skill side of an operator can be kind of selfish for that reason. But really all of those team members, they want a boss. They want to know, they want to be able to meet the expectations. And a lot of times we just don't have the capacity to be very, very clear to all levels of the organization. And so you're really looking for human resources or people management. Human resources can sound so stuffy sometimes, but it's really just loving and leading people. However you you do that inside of your organization and then your project management. Also with a splash of that fin- the ability to read financials and to help your leader to, to be a good partner on the operations side, because that's not where their zone is going to be. I feel like you read my diary. <laughs> <laughs> I was sitting here the entire time you're talking, laughing so hard, because those are literal sentences I've said. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and not to you. So it's not like you knew. That, I mean, maybe I have said those sentences to you, yeah. but it's Yeah. I mean, you described it so perfectly. Those are all the things that we feel. My Brie sends me a to-do list every week. She literally tells me what to do. I I tell people in our our certification program that 
if you're ever on a, a prospect or a discovery or a coffee chat with somebody and they're telling you, I just need a boss. I've heard things like, I just need a mom. I need someone to boss me around. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. they are ready for a director of operations for sure. That's a hundred percent right. I loved you touched on this early on and what you were saying was the control thing. One of the biggest things I hear from clients when they're about to start hiring, because they always come to me for the legal side of it, is I'm worried about giving up control. I'm worried that I'm going to lose something. Um, I'm worried, you know, there's all kinds of worries. I'm a control freak. I'm sure you hear that all the time. (laughs) I just want everything done perfectly or done my way. And one of the things as a founder that I've learned is my way, honestly, often is not right (laughs) or the best way. Um, How do you coach founders to let go of some of that control while still making themselves feel confident that, you know, their staff is doing what needs to get done and that everybody's sort of on the same page? So remember when we get into business, when we start these small businesses, whether you grow it into an eight-figure, nine-figure business or it stays a five-figure business, your beginning stages, remember you're handling everything. It's kind of like when you start and you you have your spouse or you're dating somebody and they move in with you, right? That apartment or that home has been just yours. And now you're sharing the responsibilities and there is so much that you have, you feel like you do it better, right? You cook <laughs> this better or you clean the house best or you, you know, only you can do this. So I, I love to remind people that we're not near as special as we think we are. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And at some point in that relationship with your spouse, you finally realize that the way you clean the bathroom and the way he or she cleans the bathroom really doesn't matter as long as it gets cleaned, right? Mm -hmm. So you abdicate some of that responsibility over to somebody who is really in their best intentions, just trying to be helpful for you. So I think it's, it's a real big growth in leadership, Jamie, when you can finally step back and say, you know what, my way isn't the highway. And I'm not even a... Like in my case, I'm not a great marketer. Why would I try to control the way that I'm marketing my brand when I'm pulling in an expert? Because I knew at some point I wasn't a marketing maven. Mm -hmm. Why would I try to tell that person that my way is better than theirs when they're trained and are developed? And so this really comes down to surrounding yourself with people who are better than you, who know a discipline, not, not better as in character, but who know a discipline better than you, right? I wouldn't try to write a legal contract because (laughs) I don't want to get myself in trouble. And I know that somebody else out there can do this better. Why do I avoid graphics? Can I go into Canva and make a graphic? Of course I can. Can I hire a designer who is skilled at this and do it better than me? Absolutely. But it's when you see those micromanaging tendencies, you're, you're seeing a, you're seeing the fear of the leader, you're seeing growth. Like that's what's really happening to this person. They're they're growing in their own leadership. And, you know, some some people are going to tolerate that better than others. And I think you as a leader just have to be aware that it's it's really growth more than fear. It's and it's part of the journey. If you don't do this, you're not going to reach or or you know break through that plateau, whether that's revenue or or team or goal or time, whatever that looks like for you. Yeah, I I totally agree. I think everything that you've said is is so true. It's uncomfortable 
to let go of some of that control. To a lot of people, their companies are their babies. <laughs> and it's sort of like when, you know, if you have a child and you send them to preschool, you're really nervous. You're psyched they're going to preschool, but you're still really nervous. Um, and it can have some of those similar feelings. But it's, I, I cannot sing the praises enough about a good operations professional. I think they are brilliant. I think that there is... I cannot do the job that that Brie does. And honestly, my company wouldn't run without her. So I I strongly advocate for anybody who's listening, who's debating it, who's not sure about it, to check out the resources that Natalie creates. Because as you can tell from just even our interview, how much knowledge Natalie has. But I feel like you make it so accessible and easy and make it feel like such a large topic because like you listed so many things, finance, you listed marketing, you all these things, human resources, and it, it feels really overwhelming as a business owner. And I feel like you make it very easy. So thank you so much for just providing such incredible information and making operations feel like it can be attainable for really any business owner <laughs> um, <laughs> and how important it is. And please tell everyone where they can find you. Yeah. I would love to have you guys listen to my podcast, which is the Ops Authority podcast. You can find it on any of your typical podcast players, but I also am on Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn as well, all under the Ops Authority. I'd love to have you guys. Thank you so much. It was wonderful to chat with you. Thanks, Jamie. Okay, so now everyone knows how to hire for operations and it's a little less scary, right? Yeah, and all the different roles. Like you can have somebody mm -hmm. who's more of an assistant all the way up to director and what that means and how to work with them. And it's pretty awesome. So. I, she's super helpful. I would definitely recommend checking out her podcast and checking out the work that she does. She's a really great resource. We'll put everything in the show notes. <laughs> we'll make sure and drop those links in the show notes so you can be sure and check them out. And we'd love to know if you're doing any hiring. Are you going to hire before the end of the year? Do you have a goal for 2021 in hiring? Let us know your hiring goals and your hiring plans and we can brainstorm better ways to go through that brutal, sometimes brutal, not always hiring process. If you are not a member of our group, you can find us at the Fearless Business Podcast HQ on Facebook. You can also find us at fearlessbusinesspodcast.com or anywhere that you listen to podcasts. As always, we love reviews. So please drop a note and let us know what you like about the episodes. And we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening. We'd love it if you'd subscribe and share this podcast. Reviews are amazing too. Please visit fearlessbusinesspodcast.com for more information. If you'd like to connect with Jamie, visit hashtag legal.com. And if you'd like to connect with Mary, visit the transitionscollective.com. Thanks so much and we'll see you next time. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.